How you doing, Jim? Well, uh, fair to Midland. I've got some problems, but uh, uh, they are described vaguely or shortly, briefly, in the next smear. Uh, there's a smear, actually, that just came out on Monday, which is reaching people bit by bit, I guess. Yeah, I just got uh, mine. You actually mentioned it at the end. You said you're going for some surgery. Yeah, that is correct, yeah. So I, but I don't really want to talk about that any further on the air. But okay. If people, if people want to get smear, I'll be glad to tell them how to get it if they want to. Yeah, do that right up front, Jim, and then we'll do it at the end, too. All right. Well, it's saucer smear. It's S-M-E-A-R, P.O. Box 1709, Key West. It's two words, Key West, Florida, 33041. Ask for a sample copy, and we'll be glad to send you one. You know, for a while you were sending me double copies, and before I said anything about it, you stopped <laughs> sending me the double copies. Yes, well, our, uh, some of the people in our uh, computer room yeah. got, got confused, and uh, we had to fire we had to fire a couple of people, but it's all straightened out now. Okay, good. Uh, the the other person that's uh, talking with. I, I am going to play this. We're not doing this live, Jim. I'm just doing it from my house. Um, uh, and I will. Well, wait a minute. Now this is terrible. The other <laughs> phone is ringing, but I won't talk long. Just uh, go ahead. Uh, that's fine. Uh, that's what editing's for. Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, also, ahead. Tim yeah, Brigham is here with us. Quickly, I'm on the radio on the other phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave this in. I'm just going to leave it in. Yeah. Yeah. Just play All the whole right, thing. Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Um, is uh, Tim? Aren't you? Haven't you, as of a couple of years ago, been one of the associate editors of Saucer Smear? Me? No, no Tim. Yeah, Tim. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, the one of the. Oh, 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 Tim is a uh, yes, one of the contributing editors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I oversee the science behind Smear, and uh, I, so far, uh, no complaints. I, I heard from Tim more often before we made him a editor, but uh, <laughs> he he's, he still does keep in touch, so we're glad to hear from him. It's kind of like tenure. You try to relax once you've gotten your name on the map. Right? Yeah, right. Once you've made made it to the top, you don't have to work as hard. That's that's what I would think. You you can coast for years. It just that's just the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. Top of my resume, it's a highly, highly, but you know, unpaid position. High, but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I was go just. Ahead, go, ahead. go ahead. What? What? No, you. Uh, I cut you off. Sorry. That's all right. I was just looking through the uh, the Jim Mosley's book of saucer news. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, and I didn't realize I hadn't seen before. You visited Wright Patterson Air Force Base in I th- yeah. sometime in the 1950s and talked to Colonel Robert Friend, I think, or was it the 60s? Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Uh, yeah, I was kind of in with the uh, saucer desk at the Pentagon uh, in uh, for a while there, and I infuriated uh, uh, Donald Kehoe, the ace saucer of his day. Uh, he wanted to uh, get the Project Blue Book uh, files and uh, use them for his books, uh, but they wouldn't send him the files, but they would uh, <laughs> read uh, him edited versions over the telephone, <laughs> uh, which which was more than he deserved. I didn't get along with him. But I, I just, uh, 
at a random time went to the Pentagon, which apparently he, living in Washington, couldn't bother to do. And I walked in the door, and they sat me down at a typewriter, and they let me copy anything I wanted from any of the Blue, uh, blue Book files. And and I was there a couple of days copying it all down. Yeah. And when, when Major Kehoe found out, he raised hell, and the uh, files were put back into secrecy after that. <laughs> hey, Jim, can I ask you, is this the situation, or was that with a different uh, military guru that, that you went in and he had some kind of strange thing written on the board? You told me this story like well, it's a well, yeah, 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 but okay, that's the, language or something. that's the second part of what I was going to say. So okay, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a, a clearance, but uh, anyhow, they must have checked me out somehow, and they finally let me choose a day to go to Wright-Patterson, and Colonel Friend was the uh, man on the saucer desk at that time, and I did spend most of the day with him, and I had lunch with him. But I, I never found out for sure, but I think they were just goofing with me. Uh, Colonel Friend was part American black and part, let's say, Egyptian, some such nationality as that. Wow. And he or someone had written <laughs> strange hieroglyphics, which I... I'm not sure, but could very easily have been Arabic. <laughs> Get it? And and it was on the board when I got there, and they really wouldn't talk to me about it. But uh, I I got even by just not even asking. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they were playing with my head. But other than that, I didn't see anything strange there. Uh, it was a very pleasant day, but nothing uh, nothing earth shaking. No. Yeah, well, it, it well, that's uh, even third movement on this new book. You, you've got a new collection of stuff coming out here, Jim. It looks like you're talking about. How's that now? What well, Greg mentioned a uh, a title from you I hadn't heard. Uh, right, the, not the Wright Patterson book. But oh no, this was this was a book from oh, the 1970s. Oh, oh, that's Jim I think. book of Saucer News that came out just in time for the convention, the big one in 1967. Okay. That's just uh, uh, that's just an anthology of. of oh, okay. I, items from previous issues of Saucer News. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, I found that in a used bookstore many years ago, and then uh, at Roswell in 97, I actually had Jim sign it, which is something I that's treasure. Well, I'll tell you something. I think, I, think that's the, I think that's the one. One of my uh, books, uh, or it might have been another one that was worse, uh, was on the net at one point uh, for like 800 and some dollars. In yeah, other words, hundred dollars right now. Actually, interestingly enough, so hey, you got any extra copies of that, Jackson? Yeah, no. You see, I, I realize now, on the internet, at least, uh, rarity is the only factor. It could be a piece of nothing to begin with, but if it's rare, uh, then and somebody wants to pay any crazy price, you just put it on at any price you like, and it's like a fishing pole. Sooner or later, somebody will buy it. I guess. <laughs> Was that the saucer news that you saw for sale for whatever it was? Uh, no, no. Well, it wasn't that book. It, it was uh, the right field story. That's oh, what, oh, right, right. Yeah, the right field story was the most atrocious book that I ever had anything to do with, and it, <laughs> it was published by Gray Barker. And at some point, it became rare. <laughs> and then, uh, as I say, within the last two or three years, somebody saw it on the net for eight hundred and seventy-five dollars. I think. Wow, I wonder how much I can get for sauce, the, the book of saucer news. I, I'm not looking on Amazon. Somebody's offering four hundred dollars for a copy. So, hey, there you go. Well, you guys, you guys are on the net. I, I just don't 
You know, I've never even uh, barely seen a computer in my life, but you can fool around and, uh, you know, uh, make attempts at different prices and you can probably sell these things for all kinds of uh, prices. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, contact uh, ebooks in the last 10 years have, like, quadrupled or whatever in price. I, I can't believe the prices people are asking and sometimes getting for, for old, uh, like, George Van Tassel books. Wow. Wow. Where do you see yeah, uh, you all that on eBay or? Yeah, on eBay and Bookfinder and stuff like that. I, I found a copy of um, I Rode a Flying Saucer. Uh, an original printing of that for like thirty dollars, and now people are selling it for five and six hundred dollars. This little tiny pamphlet, basically. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Is that is that by Truman Bathroom? No, uh, Van Tassel. Oh, Van Tassel. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll tell you a book that's getting new attention now because of the new book that has just come out on Aztec. You know, the Aztec landing allegedly. Uh, occurred way back in 1948, and it's mentioned prominently in in uh, Frank Scully's book uh, Behind the Flying Saucers. Yeah, and I read that when it first came out. It's just a dainty little pocket book, but I'll bet that book must be worth a fortune on the net. There, there's a few of them. I I found one. Um, they're they're around, and people are as they get rarer. People ask for them. We're here to tell us not to buy them. You know, too bad. What's that? Number one. If only Bob Gerard were still here to tell us not to buy them. You know, he used to. Oh, oh yeah, them. yeah, Bob, Bob <laughs> Gerard. I I really uh, enjoyed him. Uh, he had a printed uh, book list for a, a long time, but then he got rid of it. But what I like best, he's trying to sell these books for outrageous right. prices, them, yeah. and 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 then he puts little book reviews in and knocks the hell out of them. And so you <laughs> wonder, <laughs> if he's on both sides of the fence at the same time. Well, I think people appreciated his honesty about uh, what he w- would and wouldn't accept as 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 legitimate, and it, it, I don't think it made any difference in his sales. If you wanted a book, you wanted the book. You yeah. didn't care if Bob Gerard said it was a piece of crap. In fact, it was almost a badge of honor. Right. Well, it, it's it, it's it's way across the room, but I could put down the phone and get it. I I just today received from uh, Timothy Green Beckley, which uh, a book which is probably his worst yet. <laughs> and, and 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 you know that is saying something. He's had a couple. Of, <laughs> are we a couple of these? Uh, he, uh, they're, they're all the same size, you know. Uh, they're th- thick paperbacks, eight and a half by eleven. Oh, okay. Yeah. Commander X uh, involved in this one at all? What? Is Commander X involved? And aren't most of his? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. just hang on for ten seconds. I'll be right back. <laughs> Because he just, uh, okay. I think uh, Beckley re- republished Round Trip to Hell in a Flying Saucer, which is one of my books I always wanted just to have the title on my shelf. Yeah, really, that's got to be, get a, get a flyer, a poster for it. Yeah. I love his, uh, his uh, they used to rent some of his uh, adult video. Oh, his, va- his lesbian vampire stuff? Yeah, yeah, so, you know, I don't know if, if the saucers or the lesbian vampire flicks make more money, but between the two, it's, uh. We love you too. Yeah, I've got this here now. The secret space program. Who is responsible? Tesla? Question mark. The Nazis? Question mark. NASA? Question mark. <laughs> or a breakaway? Or a breakaway civilization? Evidence we have already established bases on the moon and Mars, and it goes on. Uh, Beckley, uh, Castile, 
uh, Tim Schwartz and uh, additional material by Commander X. Oh, of course. Uh, so, uh, uh, hey, if we're going to name a book title, I came across one that, uh, Greg, you probably remember, Jim, you might have seen it, and talk about just the title itself, Cyber Biological Studies of the UFO Contact Experience. Yes. With Martin Kottmeyer and Greg, I think, were you in there? A few other people? Oh, no, I, I wasn't in there, but that's one of my favorite UFO books. Cyber Biological... Cyber Biological Studies of the Imaginal Component in the UFO Contact Experience. I think that's the <laughs> longest UFO book title ever. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, what is it? It sounds skeptical or what? I, I'm not... No, it's kind of a, uh, I mean, for, for you, Jim, it would be a 4D kind of a book. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Which uh, means, I, uh, I, I really Walton enjoy it. The guys in there, but other than him, uh, him with the birth hypothesis, I think they republished that. Uh, what was you know the old, what was that idea his rebirth hypothesis the the birth memories hypothesis yeah, hypothesis right. is that abductions had something to do with your birth memory which I always thought was really weak but yeah, not yeah. not any stronger than most of the other abduction scenarios or theories but I always thought that one was pretty weak too. I well, really um, see some of the stuff coming out of Persinger's lab in Canada that, that they've actually you know they really got people describing some some pretty significant. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh, oh, there's Jim's phone. There's, <laughs> there's somebody on the other phone again. Hold Take on. your time, Jim. It's no problem. Hello? Yeah, take a quick commercial break. Yeah, <laughs> we have no commercials okay, on my listen, show. I'm on the radio. I'll and I can only, I can talk to for about another hour. I'm okay. That's amazing. Can you explain the two phone theory, Jim, as to why you have an outgoing and an incoming and not just one? Or that does well, both? well uh, no, it, it's been very helpful a few times. Uh, everything here is messed up in one way or another, including the phone system. I've had times that one phone or the other just goes out of order. And uh, yeah. so if I didn't have two phones, I'd be stuck, you know? <laughs> like having two wives, but I don't think you can do the same. Uh, no, I have actually two different uh, phones, two different bills here. Well, it's uh, you. You always need a backup. In fact, I should have a backup. I should have had one when we were trying to do this on uh, on Monday. I think it was when it didn't work yeah. out, or Sunday, or whatever it was. But I was in a hotel, so it didn't work out. I, I, you know. By the way, Greg, I can hear you just fine. Um, Tim uh, seems to not be garbled, but his line is not as clear as yours is. I'm just telling you. Let me try getting right to your next to the microphone and try that. Yeah, I think the other thing is if Tim You're speaks. You're getting worse. No, uh, if Tim speaks, I have one of us probably or both of us probably have to stop so that he can get his because uh, it's kind of a party line, obviously. Oh yeah. Speak yeah, so something. Jump in momentarily. Say yeah. something, Tim. Uh, All right, how's how's that? You got me. Yeah, I'm getting you right now. It's just there's a, a gravel growl or something to your voice, but it it'll work. Yeah, I southern mumble, I think, as they call it, you know. But uh, I'll try to <laughs> try to keep the uh, keep it uh, stepped up here for you. Say, <clears throat> I don't know what we're here to talk about, but I I just would mention uh, the lead article in the new smear is is this thing about the new uh, Mufon uh, director. Oh yeah, the Do Mile we... High guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess you read that. I yes. think that's <laughs> that uh, that is hilarious. The only what guy they talked on this. Uh, how, I don't have the new issue, and I don't know the story. So, well, good. Uh, uh, maybe some of your three or four listeners 
haven't heard the story either. Just briefly, uh, the new director uh, of MUFON has a flying school at the Cincinnati airport, and he apparently is a successful businessman and interested in saucers, so that part is okay. But uh, his biggest uh, sideline, which he advertises uh, very uh, loudly, is the Mile High Club, which uh, is, if this is a a family uh, broadcast, perhaps... It's not, Jim. It never is. You should know that. (laughs) We should not mention what it is. You go uh, mention it. Well, uh, for $425 plus appropriate fees, I don't know what that means, uh, you you go up in a small plane and the pilot has a curtain between this couple who would be in, in back. And, and, now, this is and, the director of MUFON we're talking about? Yes, yes. He, okay, he's not I, going, I, I just took it for a serious organization for a few decades there. Well, well, well see, now you're saying just what the rank and file will say. I, I mean, I think it's hilarious, but how is the uh, general public uh, expected to take this as a serious scientific organization if the director is, is the uh, CEO of the Mile High Club? <laughs> the pilot, too. You know, I, I got to say, and I think this is in general in regards to saucers these days. I, I don't think people really uh, give them. I think people's attention is focused on on you know the economy, on a few well, maybe still to some degree terrorism, you know, issues that, that I don't think you know. Even if there are saucer flaps, I don't think people these days really get all that you know curious well, I'll, about. Them. I'll tell you, it gives the membership, uh, approximate membership of Mufon which they say is 3,000, and I am sure I remember reading a few years ago it was over 6,000. Yeah. So I think it's fair to say they're on the skids and that the best they could do was to get somebody with the will and the money and the, and the gung-ho fervor to uh, be their national, international chairman, but I am sure they're going to get a lot of flack over this, you know? Can yeah. I let me throw this out there and get both of you guys' takes on it? Yeah. I mean, I think MUFON has always tried to be a very much we're going to be a mainstream science someday and we're going to be nuts and bolts. And I don't think that that, that is ever going to catch on. I mean, there are going to be your your hardcore holdout Stanton Friedmans who are going to be around for a while, but, but the next generation of people, I think, who are going to pick up on the the saucer, if you want to call it the UFO anomaly, you know, is going to be people who are kind of friendly counterculture, but not necessarily in a in a nuts and bolts UFO way. I mean, we can talk, talk about what uh, modern shamanism, you know, those kind of words thrown out there, but you know, Gnostics, uh, people that really kind of view it more as a something other than a interplanetary kind of thing. I think. Yeah. Well, you're you're saying uh, that uh, thinking. By many people, including myself, over the years has got more into uh, the paranormal overtones and whatever else may be involved here. And I think that's right. But their basic problem, and you're going to have this with any uh, membership organization where, to an extent, the members dictate what the organization does. If if, if you've got 3,000 members, you've got 3,000 points of view. And, And so to a degree, you're not there... To do science, you're there to please the membership, yeah. and, and yeah. so that they'll renew and get their T-shirts and and, yeah. and flags and, and bumper stickers and all the good right. things that go with science. 
They used to call them you know, saucer clubs, and now, of course, it's supposed to be this organization. It's not a club anymore, but it still sounds like a club. You know. Well, I, I don't remember using the word uh, club, but... <laughs> and, uh, they used to call them back in the day saucer clubs. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, the Amalgamated Flying Saucer Clubs of America. Was, wasn't that, was that Gabe Green? That was Gabe Green. And, and I don't know if they had a membership. I think that was just him and, and, and the title. But he, he was a nice guy. I met him a couple of times at Giant Rock. And, and the best, at the height of his career was he ran for, I would say, governor of, of California. It wasn't for president, but something reasonable within the state of California. And he didn't win. But he got enough votes <laughs> to split the liberal vote so that the <laughs> conservative won. In other words, it had the <laughs> opposite opposite effect of what it uh, was meant to have. He actually changed the victor in this very important race. So it showed that he that, that he did have a a following. You know, one yeah. man can make a difference, no matter how bad. I guess you know. I do have uh, there. I reprinted on the back of the magazine, unexcluded middle once. An ad for him running against Kennedy. It was a presidential. He ran the in the presidential election at least okay, once. Okay, I'm wrong. It was the presidential election. Well, okay. So then I guess he didn't change the whole outcome, but he did change uh, uh, the outcome within the state. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And 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 his motto was, and this this was uh, priceless. Gabe, no, uh, Abe in 1860. Gabe in 1960. Yes, I somebody gave me one of those buttons, an original button from that, and it's on my bulletin board. <laughs> yeah, I, I I should have saved one of those because uh, uh, you know that's a collector's item. It really is. And he's probably got a household collector's items of just thousands of dollars of saucers, saucer materials alone. Just thought the darned internet to you. The thing you've got to do: go on your internet and sell them if you collect your proceeds. Yeah. Well, I, I've got one thing though that's better than that. <laughs> I forget which campaign it is. It, it's um, uh, Nixon and Agnew, uh, and they have little pictures on this button of each. And underneath, <laughs> I guess Nixon is on the left. It says "Law," and under Agnew it says "Order," <laughs> "Law and Order." And, and of course, that was their motto. <laughs> and, and when I saw this for sale. At a, a yard sale for two dollars, I bought it. I think if it's rare enough, you could sell that for a couple of hundred dollars. I would think. Yeah, I think so. I, I think you might be right. Uh, well, there are those ones that uh, I always thought were fun that you, you can still buy online from one of the uh, probably the presidential elections. All they say is "I like Dick." Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh really? Yes. <laughs> no, no, I've never seen that one. Well. So, uh, Jim, can I throw out there, who do you, guys, we've seen Hopkins now being gone, Mac, of course, a few years ago, uh, well, Jacobs, for all intents and purposes, uh, just out of the big UFO gurus, is, uh, is there anybody left to step up and, and keep uh, selling books, I mean, other than maybe Whitley Schriever? Uh, <laughs> you're, talking, you're, uh, you're talking about uh, abduction researchers? Yeah. yeah, for the most part. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, who's left? Uh a sprinkle, I guess, is the only big one left. Wow, he's got to be seriously what very elderly. Yeah, say. I think he's in his seventies. Yeah, 70s. well, I I don't know whether he got a sort of 
told to disassociate himself with the University of Wyoming because they didn't go for his uh, annual uh, saucer picnics, I think. Uh, he was told, either he was told to not use the university in his advertising or he was uh, forcibly retired or, or it, maybe it was just for his age, but he's no longer with the University of Wyoming, and I'm sure he is quite elderly, yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess what I'm saying. Do you think there's anybody that can still have these, you know, these breakout books like Strieber did and like Hopkins did, where people are going to get into these phrases anymore, or people are going to care anymore? You know, is there still somebody that can sell it? Well, I, I don't know. Strieber has uh, some new stuff out. Uh, who? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, wasn't it you that sent me? Uh, yeah, this incoherent long thing about Strieber. Yeah, it was kind of a psychoanalysis of his... Oh, his my story. God, yeah. I, I mean, you'd have to be crazy to understand it. Uh, it, 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 it was very interesting, but, I mean, you know, when you finish, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I, Greg, I don't know if you saw this, but I'll just bring one point of the story. Streber's contradicted himself many times in many of his stories, and I'm not going to try to get into the details of that, but one yeah, of his yeah. books, he claimed was edited, and then he realized he forgot that he said a second edition with different... Uh, it, at one point, the guy speculates on Strieber has said off and on throughout the years that, that some kind of government manipulation during his childhood. And yeah. at one point, he said extreme, horrific MK Ultra kind of abuse was induced to try to make split personalities occur. And yet, he still somehow, and Jim and I talked about this, he still maintains that the saucer people saved him from that rather than the saucers being a creation of some kind of horrific. Wow, well, we're, we're right back in the 1950s. Yeah, and you know, to, to say that the saucer people saved me from the from what I think might be a result of, of traumatic abuse—it's just a, uh, I guess I, it's a weird way to to go about thinking about it. But I guess that's—he's a weird guy. Well, you know? I, I mean, you know, it's all above and beyond me. I would just say he's a a mad genius, and and let it go at that. I mean, he obviously is brilliant, but uh, he may very well have had some peculiar experiences. Because these entities, whatever they are, certainly are peculiar and inconsistent and anything else you want to name. Uh, so maybe they've just worked over his mind so bad that he doesn't make sense anymore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the best description I've heard of Streber in a long time. He's a mad yeah. genius. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, uh, uh, Tim was with me. Uh, we talked about this the other day. Uh, we we were at, uh, where was oh, it? it uh, at Gulf Breeze, but just exactly where I forget. Oh, we're on the beach in Gulf Breeze. It was pet. We're past uh, where, was it? Uh, was it at the uh, Holiday Inn or something? Uh, no, Ramada. Uh, now that you've tested my memory for a 1996 UFO convention, I don't know yeah, I yeah, know. yeah. So he he brought out a bottle of whiskey and about a dozen followers, including us. We sat uh, on the beach with him for a couple hours, and he just. Uh, you know, sprouted on as the great guru that he is. It was great. <laughs> then he got pissed off and he didn't come back for seven years. Remember, he did that whole stint where for ten years he disappeared. And anyway, yeah. but uh, but I don't know if I I don't know. Throw out one other topic there. I wanted to get Jim's take on Greg yours too, if, if I can. Unless you got a list of stuff you wanted to hit, Greg. A very okay. short one. I just wanted to see if you thought. Uh, did you hear valet on this? This radio show, well, I can't remember the name of the radio show. Usually you have to pay for it, but you get the first hour free. Uh, anyway, Valet was interviewed for one of the, for 
you know, one of the first times in several years by a saucer mag. Who who uh, was interviewed? Jacques Vallée. Uh, Jacques who? Jacques Vallée. Oh, Jacques Vallée, yeah. Every yeah. time you said it, uh, some other noise would come. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was, he was uh, I heard about that. I didn't hear the show. Did he say anything uh, particularly interesting? Yeah, well, he said something really, really interesting, and, and uh, well, I'll just say basically what he said, that he had set up some experiments out at his, his prior, prior to his wife dying, out at his property in California, so that he could try to attract some of these entities and energies by ways of, he, he, I don't know if he said or implied some kind of mystical almost, uh, he said he was used trying to attract them using some sort of energy of, well, this, is, this, is, this is Jacques Vallée doing his own experiment. Yeah, yeah, hmm. uh-huh. yeah. yeah. His kind of psychonauts, or I don't know what you want to call that. But did you hear that, Greg? No, I didn't hear that one. What year did he do this? It must have been like in the seventies or something. No, 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 no. This was the no. This is brand new, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This is one of the first things he's done recently. And really, uh, what's the name of that 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 uh, thing? Jim, do you know the the or the uh, the radio show. They sell your, your zine, I think, on, on the website. Uh, you're talking to me. You're not yeah. talking about. You're not talking about Steinberg's show, are you? No, uh, no, the one that sells smear online. Oh, I'll come up with the name of it later and send you. Oh, a link oh the, the one that sells smear online. That's UFO Stroke TV. That's Tim Crawford. Yeah. Oh, Tim Crawford. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's who it was with. But uh, he just said something really curiously vague about, you know, I, I've got this property and tried to set up some conditions by which, and he made it sound really almost like Crowley described some of his experiments, quote-unquote, you know. And uh, I just wondered, Valley's uh, always struck me as, as one of these guys who's, you know. Well, what was he, t- exactly, what was he trying to prove? I, I don't get it. He was, he, well... His attempts were to try to draw in some kind of energy using some kind of it oh, like a physical method. Uh, I don't it, want to speculate, but that's what did it, it Did it like. work? He didn't say. He said it was. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, I guess you would say if it did, but he said he had been trying. He just said he had tried a few experiments or something of that nature. So. You know, uh, he, mu- he must be old as a hill, too, because he was a contemporary of, of a Heineck who was yeah. long gone, you know. I yeah, didn't know that. Two years ago. Yeah, I didn't know that Valet had done this. I knew that he was involved in that—not not really involved, but at least interested in the—I guess you would call the mystical or or occult yeah. side of UFOs for a long time. But he'd never been really overt about it. Now I get yeah. this image when you say this of him standing in his backyard yeah. in a right. in a robe chanting things to. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I don't want to put that on Jock, but he did uh, also uh, maybe ten years ago do one interview, uh, his kind of final UFO interview with a magazine called Green Egg Magazine, which yeah, the Magic Magazine. So yeah. I, I don't know. If you oh that, yeah, yeah, that's right. Show. I remember that. And the 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 point was, I think he, I mean, he used to hang out with the with kind of the occult crowd in the Bay Area, Northern California, for the longest time. I don't. Maybe that didn't die away. Um, that makes me even more intrigued in what, in, about what he's thinking and what he's doing, and also intrigued that maybe he's at an age where he just says, "You know what? I don't give a shit what people think." <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I thought he was forbidden science. Uh, the book that he had, you know, that kind of maybe has a little bit of a new meaning. But sorry, Jim, what were you saying? You think what? No, no. I was just going to say what people don't 
realize necessarily about Valet, and I think I'm right about this. Years ago, he got completely fed up with the UFO field. Yeah. The people in it. Uh, he thought, <laughs> how could he think this? A bunch of nuts and crackpots. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> silly, silly, I silly. Tired of that. Yeah. And, and so he didn't lose faith in the, uh, study of, of, uh, UFOs or whatever and associated, uh, uh, other things, but he just stopped. Well, he doesn't lecture or anything. I don't know if he ever did, and and, and he just like kept to himself. And I think maybe he's like you just said. He's old enough now. He doesn't care anymore. You know. Yeah, he, he did a TED talk. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, Greg. He actually was on one of the TED talks. Jim probably doesn't know. What, yes, what I I, I heard about that. And uh, talk about synchronicity is uh, is something science should explore. Interestingly enough. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny that somebody from you know coming from his point of view is adv- not funny. I think it's good that he's invited to these talks. What these talks are, Jim, are uh, um, basically a bunch of forward thinkers and leaders in industry and all this just get together and pat each other on the back and talk about how the the world should change. And Valet got invited to one of these. What What's the name of the organization? It's yeah, called- TED. It stands for Technology, Engineering, and Design, or something like that. I believe. Yeah. But oh, yeah, no. You get, your, you get your big business idea kind of new, you know, not just business. I don't want to pitch it that way. But, so uh, do they have meetings, regular meetings, like a, a UFO? Yeah, I even tried just to go to the audience. You have to be an invited attendee to go and pay eight grand to get to the audience. Yeah. So it really is oh. exclusive. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that I way was yeah, and, uh, like like you and I would spend you know fifty or hundred dollars to go to a UFO convention. They'll spend eight or ten thousand dollars to go to these. Yeah, where where are they held? In Long Beach, actually, Long Beach, California. Wow, that's interesting. Now I didn't know that. Yeah, and then you can watch them online live at other places for a reduced fee of I think you know two or three thousand dollars. Well, I mean, do they have some kind of a convention center? Or- uh, on Long Beach, is that what you mean? Yeah, well, they they rent a hall, I guess, in Long Beach down here south of L.A. and uh, do their do their uh, talks there and 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 the uh, internet broadcasts from there each year. And you know, they have people there like uh, you know, Bill Gates spoke there, and I th- probably wow. Steve Jobs did, and um, one of the Muppets spoke at one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and uh, a valet has spoken there. Yes, yes. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. from the comments, he was not well received. Uh, he talked more about synchronicities and Jungian kind of mysticism. I and I, I don't mean to paint valet with a brush here, but it just it, he is kind of stepping out more. I think in terms of what he's. Yeah. You know, the reason I, I was asking that years ago, I went to. Long Beach uh, a few times because I was staying at the Queen Mary, which you know a hotel. Uh, oh, was this the uh, the the Bill Cooper, th- uh, Eric Beckyard, right? What's that? This is where you met Eric Beckyard, right? Well, yeah, no, I met him uh, other places too, but yeah, I had a <laughs> a famous little incident with him there. <laughs> but what I was going to say, I went down to Long Beach several times, and that was basically a slum. I can't imagine them having a high-class convention center like that. They, they've so, changed uh, it. They, they have yeah, the they're Long Beach Grand Prix there and stuff. Too. But, um, yeah, I, so I just I thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, he uh, does seem to be stepping out a little bit more in terms of actually promoting scientists to think about this stuff, too. Um, you know, the whole general... Well, well you know, I, I just sent a letter yesterday to Stan Friedman, who I'm always 
sparring with about one thing or another. He's still, you know, his big thing lately is insisting that Donald Menzel was a was a member of MJ12, and and uh, you have to believe that MJ12 existed before you can believe that. that. I think he's the last person holdout that he that uh, at least in that does lectures and things like that public figure that thinks that they did exist as a UFO uh, control group or whatever. He's the only one now. Well, you know, I I went to uh, some convention out west long ago, maybe twice. I I heard the two Ryan Wood and the other guy, Bob and they are, oh oh really the older guy? Yeah, Bob Bob Wood, Robert Wood. Yeah, well, they both seem to be bright, uh, sane people, and, and and they had spent all kinds of effort, you know, when they showed slides or whatever about what they were doing, and I am sure that they were wasting their time, but I was impressed. I mean, you know, they were not, uh, they were both uh, engineers or, or better. I mean, I figured, well, you know, they these are intelligent people that have spent a lot of effort on this, but I still think it's not real well i i don't know what uh ryan and bob wood's arguments are any more than mj12 existed they may have changed their minds but the uh the the last thing i heard which i kind of believed was that uh, mj12 was basically a a group that was uh in the government it actually existed and it had to do with presidential succession and and survival of government had nothing to do with ufos but it was real i've heard of that too yeah yeah i i didn't know the details but i have heard that they that's where they got the name from there was a group with a very similar name or the same name but it had nothing to do with ufos yeah, yeah. i heard that and it would be very easy to hang a whole bunch of uh information on it because you couldn't really find out it was so secret you couldn't find out what they actually did so the, the right. hanging the ufo thing on it was very easy well do you see well, the- right that uh I'm sorry, so someone mentioned, maybe it was on your show recently, Greg, that, that there were, uh, not that group, but there was actually a, a government group that didn't really have a technical name, but they were more of a hardcore Christian fundamentalist that were needing to the, the idea that, that UFOs are actually some kind of demonic invasion. Oh, so yeah, that's that's that's, uh, that's Nick Redfern's book. Okay. okay. Yeah. So uh, the idea that maybe there were these groups, but they were not official in any way. They were based on people's own belief systems, seems... Well, yeah, I, mean, it, you know. I, I think that there there are groups that exist like that within any organization, and that people have think they have access to some information that other people don't, and they'll form like kind of uh, interest committees uh, unofficially. And I think that happens a lot. Well, in, in in the list of the of the twelve people, you know, the last and most controversial one is Donald Menzel, and and. Yeah. Uh, Friedman, as you both may or may not know, he is still rabid about that. I mean, he's gotten to all kinds of trouble to prove that the organization exists and, and that Menzel was in it. And and I just can't buy his ar- uh, arguments at all. I, I disagree with Randall about Roswell, but Randall is taking on Friedman very, uh, very nicely about this and other things. And you'll see a a very interesting letter from Randall in the new smear, funny enough. Yes. And I think all I think also one from Friedman, yeah. Uh but uh I I knew I knew Menzel a little bit, etc. and I know some little inside things that I've printed and I just can't imagine that he knew about uh, Roswell uh or or anything like it. I mean it makes no sense 
for a whole bunch of reasons. It's just absolute nonsense. It's not impossible, but it's highly unlikely. Yeah. And Jim, I know you were at the point, uh, as a few times you said that really you didn't really care anymore. It seemed like you had said a couple. I think you explicitly said a couple of times that we're not going to dredge up Roswell again. You know, it was like the. the there's four people arguing about it now. It seems like, uh, like Greg said, I think you mentioned that, Jim. It was like, who, who really even cares anymore about this one incident? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, among other things, it would be bizarre if Menzel kept writing his anti-UFO books. Uh, I think he wrote three or four through the years. And if he knew personally from uh, being there or being informed of it about a... a, a a spaceship landing at Roswell, it seems rather uh, extreme that he would go on writing books with the opposite point of view, you know? Sure. Yeah, well, it doesn't make any sense. I guess it makes sense sense to Stan, but, that, you know, he's so far into it that I think he, it's kind of impossible for him to entertain any other idea. It's well, just become part well, of his DNA. You know? well, well, see, I, I, I love it because Stan and I, you know, started lecturing to the colleges at about oh, yeah. the same time and i dropped out and he he went on but he was ahead of his time you know being a uh, a guy with a master's uh, of science degree and, and you know and and showing evidence or proof of, about ufos and you know and, and it was quite a thing now he's receded into the background because he has not kept up with the times if the saucers are not 3d and you know uh, piloted by small humanoids he, he doesn't want to hear about it and 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 a lot of people have gone way past that yeah yeah i i think that's what tim asked earlier do you think things would be changing and and you kind of answered that jim and 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 tim did himself i i don't think well, it's going to change till people are people that hold on to that like like stan friedman are aren't around anymore to keep that flag going well, when I answer Tim on this show, I, I'm partly using ESP because I could only understand about half of what he says, and so I try to <laughs> answer what I think I heard. So uh, we normally use ESP to communicate anyway. So yeah, yeah, right. We we advanced thinkers. We <laughs> we know what each other is thinking before we even think of it. You must be so using I, I ESP. Say, I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of that is thanks to guys like Jim who've been around in the saucer field who, who've maintained, you know. And, maintain that it doesn't have to be a, one of these nuts and bolts kind of solutions to this problem. It's, it's kept that, that path open for guys like, I don't know, say, me and Greg to follow, you know, to, to, kind, of, to kind of continue that, that 4D kind of thinking. So, you know, thanks, thanks Jim. Yes. You know, I, I was going to say, and, you know, I'm interested in Greg's comment on, on this because I know Greg uh, knows Bill Moore quite well, and, and I, I do too. But, I mean, I, I, I hate to put Bill Moore down because I, I like him and I've met him many times, etc. But I, I would say, to be a little bit uh, cruel, he is the inventor <laughs> of, of, of MJ-12. And he is almost the inventor of the Philadelphia experiment. And, and to a large degree, he's the inventor of Roswell. He has done more <laughs> deliberate or accidental disinformation in this field than anyone else, including the contactees. Uh, I've never said that before, but I'm told you don't have any listeners. So that's the only reason I, yes, I, I said it now. There's hardly any in the, you've nothing you, you know, 
Jim, nothing you say could insult me or, or upset me, really, I guess. Unless you said you couldn't stand me and didn't want to talk to me anymore. That would upset me. But <laughs> Well, I mean, as I say, I, I know you've done a lot <clears throat> on the Benowitz thing, which I probably haven't read. I mean, and I know you're good friends with Bill. Uh, and, and I know, you know, I have his current address and phone number, and we don't correspond much anymore. But he is a very nice guy. But what I just finished saying... Yeah. I feel, unfortunately, it's true. Well, you know what? In a, in a certain way, it is. I don't know if, you know, the Roswell book and the Philadelphia Experiment and all that, I don't know if those were written in, you know, really with any intent of fooling people or making making a big myth or anything like that. He was just investigating something at the at the time that he thought was interesting. Now, well, his, his, his opinions of those books have changed. They had I haven't talked to him in a couple of years, but they had changed since he'd written them. And really? I, yeah, he said he doesn't. He no longer thought Roswell was anything extraterrestrial, or he doubted it, and he thought the Philadelphia experiment had to do with uh, testing of some sort of radar indiv- invisibility, and it made a lot of sailors very sick, and that's what the cover-up was. Yes, that, well, that's just about right. Yeah. yeah, I I would say that he has an intellectual curiosity, and that was part of it. But let's not forget money. Uh, he uh, for those two books, he 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 got in in league with. Uh, Berlitz. Oh, you know. Uh, yeah, Berlitz, who I've met, and I liked him, too. But <laughs> Berlitz wrote a lot of books that I'm sure <laughs> that he didn't believe. Yeah. And, and, he, and, and he made a fortune. And, and it, it was just lucky uh, that Bill Moore uh, was able to do those two books with, uh, uh, with Berlitz. And as a matter of fact, you probably know, a lot of people know, they ended up hating each other, yeah. After those two books, they fought over the royalties, really. Yeah, they fought over the royalties. The, you know, the only side I heard of it is that he had taken stuff that Bill had written and then changed it before it went to the publisher. And since Berlitz was the guy that had made the money, the pub the publisher listened to him, and you know that was Bill's side of it. Yeah, well, that's how you know Berlitz was the one that was in with the publisher, not Bill. Bill was lucky to you know have that opportunity, but uh, neither one of them were. Uh, Objective scientists, uh, I don't think. Uh, that's about all I could say. Yeah, well, the, the only thing I ever got from Bill was every time I questioned him about anything, he would give me a legitimate answer as to his motivations, and I never, to me, I never f- found his motivations any more than curiosity and, yes, wanting to make sort of a living off writing about it. I also think there's another thing that if you ever gave Bill truth theorem or something, uh, this would come out. I, I don't understand the details, but I think that uh, for a, a period of years, especially in the 80s when Bill was at his peak, yeah. he got a little bit arrogant to the uh, in the sense that he thought, <laughs> to put it this way, he was smarter than the government. And if he threw out false information, he uh, somehow they would give him back real information. I think he and, did and, think that. Yeah, you say that he did. Yes, uh, you're, no, you're I, I I would confirm that I I I would I would agree with you that that was his attitude. He thought he was smarter than government, and he also thought he was smarter than a lot of UFO researchers, which I would agree with him. But I also would say that um, if you think that and you act like that, you become arrogant, and people people get upset with you, which is what happened. Well, yeah. Well, I, I you know you of all people, because I know that you know him well. I am very interested and, and glad to hear you say that because I, 
I can't say that I thought of it myself, but I didn't know that uh, you necessarily would agree with me. And I, I well, find that very interesting. Yeah. yeah, well, the only reason I agree with you is, one, because I witnessed it at, at uh, MUFON in 1989, and two, he said that to me. <laughs> yeah, were you, were you at the fatal last lecture at, at, uh, yes. in 1989? Uh, yes, I was at that hotel in Las Vegas in 1989 when he gave that talk, and I watched everybody get mad and, and uh, Bill English yell, I'm going to get a fire hose, and Vicki Cooper cry. And It was great. Oh, it, was one wow. of the, it was the best yeah, UFO yeah. lecture I, I've ever I, seen. I don't know if it is. Except for the uh, 2001 convention that uh, 9-11 canceled for us. But, you know, yeah. uh, other than that, that's the, geez, that's the big one, man. Yeah. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. fun. It was it was the best thing I've ever seen. And the funny yeah, thing is, uh, I was walking, I was, I was uh, selling stuff at his table, and right after the talk, the table was inundated with people buying copies of the uh, lecture <laughs> at $25 a pop. Well, wow. maybe that was maybe it was just advertising, you know. Yeah. Just, uh, well, I I like the uh, the arrogant way he he gave a list of questions, answered them himself, yes. and then and then walked off the stage before anybody else could ask a question. Yeah, exactly. Right? He, yeah, I I said, "What do you think about that?" Many years ago, and he said, "I think I was very arrogant, and if I had to do again, I probably wouldn't have done it that way." I and mean, you could say benefit of hindsight, but he did say he himself that he thought he was arrogant. So. So that's why I tend to agree with you, Jim. I mean, I would as a as a neutral observer, but then he actually said that. So you know, what what am, what am I left to say? Yeah, of course he was a little bit arrogant, maybe a lot. Yeah, you know, getting back to to the Queen Mary, he, he yeah. and I met. He he and I met there two or three times, I think, and, and we had some very interesting talks. Uh, he he was a nice guy. I I still like him. Uh, but, uh, you know, when the history of ufology is written, I, I think there's going to be very mixed reviews for his contribution. That's the sad part of it. Oh, well, it's, it's already been written, and people have already had very mixed reviews, mostly bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, ask both you guys, do you think there's really much in terms of government secrets that uh, most people would, you know, I I, I, I agree with... Uh, with with John Alexander, not to interrupt as I keep doing here, but uh, you, ought read, <laughs> you ought to read John Alexander's new book. I agree with that ninety five percent. Have either one of you read it? No, I would like to read that book. I've heard him speak recently, and I, I find that you know, although I don't agree with him all the time, and I think he is selective about what he uh, what he will be uh, honest about. I think what he's been yeah. saying is, I would agree with you, Jim. That uh, and the basic idea is, no, the government doesn't really know that much. Exactly. Well, that was reviewed in detail in, in, in Smear a couple of is, issues ago, yeah. Well, carry on, men. Let's see. We've got uh, five minutes left. This does end at 6 o'clock, right? If you would like it to, yes. <laughs> well, I, I, this is great fun, but i got to call a couple of people back. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the, the only other thing... Oh, go ahead, Tim. Go ahead, Greg. You go ahead. Uh, I was also noticing in this smear that uh, the Long John Nebel show was brought up and the fact that you were on it quite a bit. I mean, almost as much as your best friend, James Randy. Well, uh, there's a confusion there. Randy was on a bit, but then Randy had his own show oh, that's later, right. uh, a, a rival show. And on, on Randy's show, I was 
at my peak, I was on two or three times a week for five <laughs> hours a night. Yeah, those were the good old days. And then Randy got Randy got kicked off the air on WR under mysterious circumstances, which I think I fairly well understand. And so he only had his show for a year or so, oh. and then I was a man without a show because Long John had kicked me off. And the only thing that saved me from oblivion was the uh, marsh gas thing of 1966. <laughs> yeah, and that's How? when I made my big comeback and had my big convention and became a UFO lecturer. How did here the mar- I am today. How did I- the marsh gas thing do that for you? Oh, funny you should ask. That, uh, well, maybe it's before your time. I'm getting confused here. But uh, the marsh gas thing was, uh, you know, in Michigan where yeah, they it was, were... Yeah, uh, Heineck was yeah, forced and, to say well, it was marsh the, gas. The big thing was that Heineck made the mistake of saying that one or more of those cases could have been marsh gas. And he qualified it, etc. But, uh, you know, people took off on it. Did somebody at the phone again? <laughs> Hello? Yes, Hello? I... Well, they're scared of Jim. They don't want to answer the phone now. Jesus Christ. It's, it's a uh, solicitor. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Go ahead, then. But, but anyhow, and, and then the whole, I'm talking about 66 into, into 67. The kind, I don't think there ever was a, a, a flat that big when you talk about the media. And, and very briefly, I was sitting in New York City with a little office where I put out saucer news, as I called it then. And when this became so big, the uh, news outlets, uh, 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 different TV channels and uh, news organizations, they were probably told by their editor, you know, get a, find an expert on this as quickly as possible. And they nobody knew any, so they would look. They would look in the Manhattan phone book, and the only <laughs> listing under saucers was me. And, and I, I, I became I became a minor celebrity overnight. <laughs> And you were on yeah. all the. Is that how you ended? Oh, that was after the. the you were uh, after your run with Long John and Randy, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 then the punchline finally is, uh, Randy had gone off the air. Long John had kicked me off the program. I was a man without a show. But then when all that happened, Long John called me back as if nothing had ever gone wrong, and said, "Jim, would you like to come on the show?" And I said, "John." <laughs> Anything for you. <laughs> I hated that man. I hated him. Really? That's another. Yes. He, wow. he was. A, you talk about arrogance. I don't know if anybody. Uh, I'm sure in showbiz there are many other people worse than him. But uh, I'm not in showbiz. He was the most arrogant SOB I ever dealt with. <laughs> Absolutely. I despised him. But, but that's showbiz, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. We could, we could smile together uh, in a picture or something. You yeah, know? It was exactly. No problem. But that time, uh, I, I, that time I took a photo of you and Bud Hopkins, and then he gave you the finger after the photo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, I, I didn't get the picture of him giving me the finger because I was chicken, but uh, I should have gotten the picture. Yeah, that was wonderful. Oh, you could put it right next to the picture of John, uh, Johnny Cash giving everybody the finger. I think there, there are, there's yeah. a gallery there somewhere that should be put up online or somewhere. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure that at some point in the last several years, I put on the masthead of Smear a picture of me giving the finger. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure I've still got those. Okay. 
Uh, Jim, it sounds like you need to do your phone calls. Um, Tim wanted to wanted to get you on the phone and talk to you a little bit, and I realized I hadn't for a while. And I did want to tell you that um, if it weren't for you, I probably would have had a lot less inspiration to even be interested in the in the field because you don't take it seriously, and anybody that doesn't take things seriously is is automatically okay in my book. <laughs> hey, well, that's that. good. I met Jim and I met Bud Hopkins on the same day. Thankfully, I chose the right place to sit. You know I mean? <laughs> so thanks, Jim. And, uh... Well, okay, guys. Then I guess I can move on. I appreciate the opportunity to be heard by some other people, <laughs> however many of them there may be. Uh, I'll just tell you, Gene Steinberg told me you only have 49 listeners. <laughs> I don't know where he got that. I, I don't know how he knew it was 49, but uh, that's what he said. Hilarious. <laughs> it, he has no idea what, what, what's going on. I mean, I have well, downloads and things. That's so. Gene for you. All right, listen, I'm, I'm tuning out, okay? All right, thanks so much, Jim. Okay, bye-bye. All right, see ya. <laughs>